Building wealth isn't just about hustle and grind. Every day, huge deals are being made, businesses and properties are changing hands, and a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward. If you want to be part of that small group of people, then this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Jim Oliver. Before we jump into today's show, we have some exciting news to share with you. Our brand new online community platform is now live. Get access to free on-demand in-depth training courses on topics like infinite banking, cryptocurrency, real estate investing, and much more. Just go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com. Or check the show notes of this episode to find the direct link to request to join the community. Now, on to the show. Let's talk about, um, you know, one of the questions I get a lot when we look at like a whole life policy, we deal mostly with whole life policies. And we, we I want to touch on kind of how the, you know, the how a whole life policy is kind of manufactured. But um, people will say to me, well, how does the insurance company guarantee 4% gross? Because, um, you know, they're, they're not getting 4% on their por- portfolio now. And, you know, how do they do that? Can you just touch on that for a minute? Yeah, yeah, and this this is um, this is a really timely question too because it it fits in really really well with the the regulation change that um, we at Emeritus and, and the entire life insurance industry is dealing with as um, end of last year the the seventy seven oh two changes just got passed so um, there'll be a tie in there as as we move into that part of the discussion but um, the the four percent uh, guaranteed rate which is it's commonly called that when you look at our whole life policies. Um, if you look at a specimen contract from Emeritus, it's gonna say contract rate 4%. And what that, that means, it's, it's not going to say you look at your guaranteed cash value at year 10 and it's $10,000. And you look at your guaranteed cash value at year 11, it's not automatically going to be 4% higher. Um, that 4% is used in the guaranteed cash value determination um, but it's it's really more of a reserve calculation. So to your point, the, the gross mortality and the gross interest rate used in determining guaranteed cash values is 4%. So it basically says, when you look at the, the maximum age, let's say age 121 on a million dollar policy on a whole life contract, doesn't matter which company you're looking at, they're all gonna have the exact same guaranteed cash value at age 121. It's gonna be exactly the same as the death benefit. And that's that's the way those guaranteed cash value calculations work is from the time you issue that policy to the time they hit age 121, guaranteed cash value is growing and increasing each and every year. Um, but the the 4% isn't a true guaranteed internal rate of return. Um, it, it is gonna vary quite a bit year by year. Um, for most contracts, it probably peaks at about two, two and a half percent if you're looking at a guaranteed actual rate of return. Because uh, that is going to be net of the um, the death benefit or net, net of the mortality costs, um, and that all, also doesn't bring into consideration the guaranteed premiums, because um, you could have the exact same guaranteed cash value on two different contracts, um, but one of them might have a premium that's twenty or thirty percent less. So obviously that one's going to have a stronger internal rate of return on the guaranteed cash values because you're paying a lot less premium to buy the exact same guaranteed performance. So right. So yeah, a lot of lot of different moving pieces there. Yeah, and that's where I think sometimes, you know, when um, in, at Create Tailwind, we show people a lot infinite banking, and there's a lot of people that are out there creating YouTube videos and everything else, and they focus so much on the policy 
and they focus on the ratings of the policy. And I always use Kelly, the example of AIG in 2008 or nine, where 30 days before they were basically insolvent, um, they had all the top ratings, right? And their derivatives division in uh, London, England, almost brought that company down, like 20 people in one division, because as you know, derivatives are super uh, risky. And if it goes the wrong way, you're, you're, you're in trouble. So, you know, what I really like about Emeritus, and I've been using Emeritus since I think 2004, is um, one, they don't overstate dividends, right? They don't over project, which I think some companies out there are using their reserves or using their BD, their broker dealer, I'm sorry, uh, to, you know, kind of jack up those those dividends, but what are they doing to the company or what are they doing? Because we've just had one insurance company get in trouble because of their reserving on the annuity side and they're actually demutualizing. We might talk, touch on that, but, but you know, talk about, um, talk about that reserving and really what's important to look at an insurance company from a strength standpoint. Because so I think this is where Emeritus really shines, but you have to look a little bit under the surface to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm glad you brought that up, Jim, because that is that is an area we really focus on within our business, uh, within our balance sheet. Um, you'll hear our, our CEO talk a lot about our Fortress-like balance sheet and the, the strength of, uh, of what we bring to the table. The, the easiest metric for us to look at is capital and surplus to assets. Everybody publishes that that's in blue books. Um, and we haven't, I haven't seen the, the year end numbers, but we did just recently update our, our benchmarking and it showed um, our capital and surplus to assets ratio at 11.4%. Industry average is just above 9%. Um, and there, there's companies that, um, you know, the opposite extreme from, from our approach, I'd say is Athene where they, they really try to grow assets as quickly as possible and keep it as, as little capital behind that as possible just to be as efficient as possible. Their ratio is less than 2%. So, um, so there's a big disparity across the industry as to how people are capitalizing their insurance operations. Um, we, have a, we have, like I said, of the companies we benchmark the highest uh, capital and surplus to assets ratio. So we feel like we're in a good position to weather um, some un unpleasant times. You know, Over the last year, we've seen that play out in the industry. Um, where, where a lot of coronavirus deaths have, have led to higher expected, higher than expected mortalities across the industry. You know, when we looked at year end numbers, it was more than 20% above for the entire life insurance industry in terms of paid death benefits. Um, for us, that, that isn't really even a blip on our radar screen when you, when you look at the capital position of Emeritus. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now let me say that again. We become what we think about. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you are looking to discover new wealth building strategies, then go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com to join our free online community and get access to free courses and in-depth training videos designed to help you build wealth and break away from the herd. Click the link in the show notes to access the community today. Thanks again for listening.